we are on Shohei watch right now because I think sometime in the next probably 96 hours or so, we're going to have a much better sense of where Shohei Otani is going to wind up. It's the fan pregame, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, Fan Ailish and Justin. Thursday night, baby Friday, no Shohei yet, but that was Jeff Passon saying maybe within the next 96 hours, we'll have a better idea of where, not where Shohei is signed, but a better idea of where he might be signing. So start the clock again. Uh, We're going to chat with Ben Nixon-Smith in about two to three minutes. He was just in the belly of the beast in Nashville at the winter meeting. So uh, we'll get what the pulse was down there and how many people stopped him to ask if he knew where Shohei was. Uh, Leafs game as well. Finally, they're back in action. Haven't played since that fun game on Saturday night against the Bruins. We have the pregame show in about half an hour on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan, David Alter, will join us. It is a battle of Ontario tonight against Ottawa Senators. And the semifinals of the NBA in-season tournament are on right now um, on Sportsnet 1 and Pelicans and Lakers a little later on Sportsnet 1 about 9 p.m. Justin's favorite tournament to ever exist is currently ongoing, Justin. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> Pacers with an early lead over the Bucks, expanding to, it was seven just a second ago. So, yeah, interesting that, uh, you know, we reached the conclusion already of something that I hold so dear to my heart. I've got my Looney Dogs t-shirt on as well tonight. So, if Shohei needed another reason to sign in Toronto, we have the best promotion to ever be created in MLB history. Uh, Tuesday night, Looney Dogs night, Shohei... I would go every Tuesday night if Shohei was around. I mean, you did that this past summer. No, so I'm I not, took a couple I'm not off. sure how much that's saying. I don't know. I would do something special. I'd wear that costume. I don't know. I'd there is no do doubt. something I mean, for you've been, Shohei. You've been driving the propaganda all <laughs> week, uh, and the recruitment has been happening on this show. But I think we've reached the stage now. I mean, say 96 hours passing. Mm-hmm. But now it's like tinfoil hat conspiracy theories, at least around our discussions before the show here. And we're thinking about, like, how far along or how far how far along the process did this begin? Like, when did the foundation start to be laid for this recruitment pitch? Is Yusei Kikuchi here for reasons other than being a fifth starter? Did they start the renovations (laughs) uh, uh, last year because they knew they had to get their game leveled up, at least in terms of what a home ballpark would look like for one Shohei Otani? It's just reached that level now where I don't think we've pulled back all the layers, but we're trying to. Okay, let's pull back a couple more. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith joins us now, of course, of Sports and at the Letters Pod. Welcome back home, Ben. Uh, how was Nashville? Pretty quiet. Nothing much going on there, eh? <laughs> you know, it's funny because a lot of people actually complained it was too quiet. And in my mind, I was like, this is the most exciting winter meetings I've ever <laughs> covered. And I've, I've been covering them since like 2011. So it was a lot of fun. Okay, so um, before we get into that interesting take that some of the writers are having, maybe because they're not Toronto-based and they want to know what's going on with Shohei, where are you with Shohei Watch? Of course, we just heard from uh, Jeff Pass uh, about 96 hours maybe until we find out a little bit more about Shohei. Where are you in terms of confidence-wise, if you're talking from a Blue Jays fan perspective, that we might see Shohei here at the Rogers Center? Uh, exciting times that that is even a possibility. <laughs> yeah. The timeline, uh, the teams have been led to believe is sometime uh, before the end of the weekend, definitely possible for Shohei Otani's decision. So that is meaning that we're spending a lot of time on Twitter and refreshing <laughs> our various messaging apps to see, um, if anything new has happened. Um, as for the blue chase chances, they're in there. Clearly they are among his list of finalists. That in itself is something. And, they are up there 
uh, with the Dodgers with a legitimate chance to land him. Now, the Dodgers have always been the favorites. The Dodgers are still the favorites, but the Blue Jays have a real chance here to get Shohei Otani, and that is uh, pretty wild. I think everyone in the Blue Jays organization is waiting to see what decision he makes. Uh, Understandably, it changes basically the entire direction of things, depending on what choice Shohei Otani makes, but the Jays have had the chance to make a pitch, and his decision to visit them in Dunedin, Florida, that is massive. That says that this interest is mutual, and so we'll see which way he goes. Again, Dodgers very much in this thing, but Blue Jays have a shot. How far back can we trace this courtship? Like, uh, yeah, we know that the Blue Jays had a conversation with Shohei Otani way back when. Uh, and maybe that informed them for this latest round of negotiation and courtship uh, across Major League Baseball. But I, I don't think the Blue Jays just, you know, were thinking around, uh, thinking after such devastation uh, in the last two playoff appearance or the last playoff appearance here that, you know, we need to fix something and what what better way to do it than bring in Shohei Otani? Like, is, does it go back farther than that? And are you, like, racking your brain for clues along the way where, hey, this didn't mean anything at the time, but now, and with the Shohei Otani potential reality, it makes a little bit more sense to you? Yeah, I mean, six years ago, the Blue Jays did have interest then, knowing that he was the kind of talent that you just don't see very often. So it dates back at least that far um, to the 2017 offseason. They weren't a finalist at that point. Now they've gotten to the point that they are a finalist, along with the Dodgers, Giants, Cubs, and Angels, uh, assuming that no mystery teams are in there. It seems to be down to five. So yeah, it's a reflection of um, uh, organizational-wide efforts to be able to put this kind of pitch together. I don't think that you can do this by accident. You can't put it together in a day or two. Clearly, the Blue Jays, even though they won't say as much, and even though they're refusing to (laughs) confirm these details, this has been an organizational-wide effort. He is obviously their top priority um, to the point that, you know, they've had to pass on some opportunities like a Juan Soto. And you can understand why, though. There just aren't a lot of players. There's no player like Shohei Otani. So if you look at five years ago or seven years ago until now, and let's look at this Blue Jays opportunity, what is it that they have over the other teams? If you say the Dodgers are maybe neck and neck or they're the next likely favorite, let's compare those two and just keep it with the Dodgers because that's what everybody seems, the betting odds at least. Uh, What do the Blue Jays have as the upper hand? Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, if you're just looking at winning, yeah, the Dodgers are definitely ahead of the Blue Jays. Let's not uh, let's not confuse things here. Like, um, they won the World Series in 2020, and they've since reeled off three straight 100-win seasons. If you're purely focused on winning, it's got to be the Dodgers. But it's never just about that. It's also about a fit. And the Blue Jays are a good team. Like, make no mistake, they are, they are a good baseball team um, that could win with or without Shohei Otani. So as for what the Blue Jays have as an advantage... The Blue Jays do have that Dunedin facility. That's a really good training facility. That matters to Shohei Otani. Again, you think about what does his life look like? If we're talking about a 10-year commitment, 12-year commitment, what does his life look like in season? The Blue Jays just are renovating right now their their home clubhouse, all the resources there. And then off-season, if he does choose, for example, to live in that Dunedin, Florida area, would that training facility be a big part of his life? Probably. And that is something that can really impact the way that he trains and ultimately the way that he performs and the way his team performs. So the dome that the Blue Jays have, the training facilities, the fact that Toronto is a relatively peaceful, quiet city, those things could be in his favor. But look, it's Shohei Otani. He's someone who is going to attract a huge crowd wherever he goes. And that's been a part of his life now for a very long time. 
if he comes to Toronto anytime soon, we may need a stay-at-home order because if he sees the traffic, I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to uh, agree that it is the quietest city, but maybe, and it is quieter, I guess, than uh, Los Angeles. Uh, we had David Sampson on yesterday, uh, and he made the suggestion that no team could make Shohei Otani profitable in that the cost to have Shohei Otani on your team will cost you or will be higher than what you will get in return based on marketing push interest in the Japanese market, et cetera, et cetera. Do you believe that? I mean, he has experience with Ichiro back when he was with the Miami Marlins, but that came to us uh, as a surprise to us. And frankly, I, I do disagree with him. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of ways that Shohei Otani can be incredibly profitable. And again, it starts with his performance on the field. He's just one of the best baseball players that we've ever seen. So he can help you win a World Series. He can help you compete every single year. He's an 8-10 to 10 win player next year when he's just on the field as a hitter. He might hit 50 home runs or 55 home runs. Then he gets back. You've got a frontline caliber arm in addition to a power hitter. So there are business opportunities here um, that, that are massive and certainly worth in the tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and it starts with what he can do for a team's chances of competing consistently. So, yeah, you know, Shohei Otani is someone that Many smart organizations, including the Blue Jays and Dodgers and Giants and Cubs, they all believe that this would be a good investment for them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be at this point where they're at the negotiating table, seemingly prepared to offer 500 plus million dollars. Okay, when you lay it all out, and maybe we're a little bit biased because we live in the city of Toronto and we are Blue Jays fans, it seems like a pretty feasible thing that Shohei Otani would be interested and could flourish here. But it seems like a lot of Americans just can't fathom the idea that Shohei would sign in Canada or sign in Toronto. I, I'm sure you've seen it all over uh, the internet. But why is it such a surprise to some that a massive free agent would want to take his talents to Canada and to Toronto? Well, yeah, it's an interesting point because even at the winter meetings, I run into agents there when you're walking down the hallways or executives from other teams. And a lot of them would ask me, like, is this real? Like almost a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is... You know, for those of us that are locked in on these developments in the Toronto market, we're seeing, we're tracking the flights, we're seeing every tweet, we're watching every little micro development that we possibly can. So we're following this story intensely. And I think for people in the States that are maybe following different storylines, they all have their own agendas and their own responsibilities. This might come as a little bit of a surprise because historically, the Blue Jays haven't been these players. And I think that's part of the reason that this decision point is so interesting and so transformative for the franchise is that in the past, you know, dating back 10, 15 years, the Blue Jays operated more like a smaller mid-market team. And I think a lot of people still expect that out of them. But this is a chance that they are seemingly embracing to operate more like a big market team. And that's what they should be doing. Um, They can be a lot more of a force on and off the field if they continue to invest in the game's elite players. Um, So this is a great chance for them to do that and operate more like the Yankees and less like the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, This sort of high-stakes recruitment process, Ben, uh, and we'll get to the stakes uh, on the negative side uh, in a second, is it something that you think Mark Shapiro was built for, that he was brought in to do, not specifically Shohei Otani, because how could you have known? But Mark Shapiro is a businessman in addition to a baseball guy. And for that reason, do the Blue Jays maybe have an upper hand here because Shapiro is leading this recruitment. Well, Shapiro is definitely capable of leading this, and uh, I'm sure he's had a big role in it all. At the same time, 
You look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. Andrew Friedman is a very talented executive there. San Francisco Giants for anxiety. Chicago Cubs, Jed Hoyer won a World Series there. I mean, the competition is really stiff. And the Blue Jays are not going up against the, you know, the, the bottom tier of Major League Baseball. They're going up against the elite team. So, yes, Mark Shapiro is definitely capable of landing elite free agents. He has shown you know, a lot of, you look at some of the impact that he's made off the field and how that could connect to a pitch for Shohei Otani. All that stuff makes sense. All that stuff is great. But I, I wouldn't say that it puts the Blue Jays at, at an advantage just because there are other really capable executives in the game and they're going right up against the Blue Jays as we speak. Okay, so we mentioned a little bit uh, Juan Soto, of course. No uh, no chance he's going to be a Blue Jays signed with the New York Yankees. I wonder, a two-part question, if the Blue Jays missed an opportunity because they were focused on Shohei or if that's a bit of a stretch. And secondly, what they would have had to offer or if you know what was on the table for the Blue Jays to have acquired Juan Soto, which unfortunately they fell short of. Yeah, the Soto deal is massive. And it, honestly, it's a great deal for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Like, good for them. This is the Yankees acting like the Yankees. I still think they need to do more. Um, but this is a great step forward for the Yankees. And by extension, it's bad news for the Blue Jays. Now, the Yankees gave up a lot. Uh, obviously, the pitching that they gave up, um, King, Thorpe, those guys are really, really intriguing. Brito, there's a lot of talent that went to San Diego. But really, the Yankees got the best player. So good for them. But as for the Blue Jays, yeah, I do think that they had to sidestep those negotiations um, to to make Otani their top priority. I think that's part of the cost here. That's part of the gamble. Same with Jamer Candelario, who ends up going to the Cincinnati Reds and others. I mean, but the Blue Jays aren't alone in this. A lot of teams, from what I understand, are telling free agents, look, we've got to see what happens with Otani before we can get back to you. So that puts those teams on their back foot. It creates opportunities for other teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks, who signed Eduardo Rodriguez. But... You know, for the Jays, yeah, they're they're probably going to miss out here, but the price would have been really, really high to acquire Juan Soto anyway. Probably Alec Manoa, maybe a Ricky Tiedemann, maybe more young pitching. That's a lot to give up. Yeah, it is a lot to give up. And I've been saying uh, throughout the week that it just doesn't seem like that was necessarily the best move. Like, Shohei, better player, but also coming over on a free transfer really is a major differentiator here because... If they did the Soto deal, it was more than the Yankees paid. It's just an all-in move that leaves them with a barren cupboard, in my opinion. And he would have been a great addition, but it would have been an all-in with Juan Soto. And the all-in with Shohei does feel different because it is longer term, of course. But there is an, uh, uh, an opportunity here for the Blue Jays to miss out on both. And if they do, obviously Soto's already gone and Shohei could go somewhere else in the next few hours here. Where does it leave the Blue Jays? Is it in ruins? Like, is it really worse than, you know, it even, before it ever started, if you, if you catch my drift? Like, if they never were involved, would it be worse now because there was ambition and now there's just nowhere to turn? Well, I, you know, I think it's never a bad thing to try and to shoot your shot and to coordinate this effort from an organizational standpoint, ownership on down. There was clearly a pull in the same direction here, regardless of where that leads. But you don't get any points for finishing second on a free agent. Your team doesn't get any better. The pain would be real. I think the fan base, understandably, would take this really hard. The hopes are high, right? Shohei Otani is an amazing player, so the hopes are high right now. Um, doesn't mean that the front office couldn't recover and field a good team in 2024. The Blue Jays are going to be probably a good team either way. 
But this is a singular opportunity, which is why the Blue Jays are willing to bid 500 plus million for him. It's a singular opportunity to change the tone around this franchise, to change their competitive window, and to add one of the best players in the game. So there's no substitute. There's no backup plan that's comparable. And the the pain would be real, even if the challenge on the part of the front office would be go out there and find plan B or plan C to make this team better. If they're looking for trades, um, are there players on the Blue Jays that you feel comfortable in circling maybe as a trade piece? I know you said Alec Manoa. Um, I know I saw today that the Angels had been kind of, I guess, reached out about Alec Manoa. Maybe they could just go Otani for Manoa. I don't know if we could make that work or not. Um, but is that something pretty, uh, I guess, on the table? Is Alec Manoa a trade candidate for the Blue Jays or was that just a, a kicking tires type situation? Well, it makes sense that teams would inquire on him, whether it's the Angels or the Padres or the Pirates, the Brewers. All those teams make some sense for Alec Manoa. But the Cardinals did too before they acquired some help via free agency. So there are a lot of teams that uh, have inquired on Alec Manoa. At the same time, I think that he's likely to open the season with the Blue Jays as their fifth starter. And I do think there are other trade candidates on this team though. And Ross Atkins hinted at that course it got overshadowed by the Otani sweepstakes and rightfully so but he did say that there have been some need for need possibilities discussed um, in the in the Blue Jays trade talks Santiago Espinal a name that has come up in trade talks this year so we'll see if that leads anywhere Um, and and of course on the pitching side the Blue Jays do have some enviable depth there so that could create some opportunities but ultimately every possibility uh, is on pause right now. It's all going to wait on Shohei Otani. Um, so it's a suspenseful time, kind of exciting, uh, maybe a little bit tiring, but this is where the Blue Jays are at. How, how strong is the gravitational pull when it comes to Otani? Uh, if the Blue Jays did land him, is it suddenly, hey, Toronto is a destination and filling out the rest of the roster, which still needs to be filled out, will be easier? Do you think like, is it a LeBron situation where you just have five guys that are going to come for veteran? And it doesn't have to be veteran minimum, but five guys who are going to come and play with Otani or does baseball not really work that way? I, I think that it would help recruitment. Um, that's not exactly a hot take. I think that players would want to have the chance to win and to play with the best player in the world, um, who's also just regarded as a really likable teammate. Um as well, by the way. So, you know, keep that in mind too. People like Shohei Otani. Um, and then I think there's also the fact that the Blue Jays have two things that all free agents want, playing time and some money to spend. So third base, left field, there's clear, clear playing time. That will appeal to free agents. And, you know, they they are are in a position where they do have a lot of support to spend. So you combine all those things, Otani, playing time, some money. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking like big dollar deals here. I don't think they would make huge splashes if they get Otani, but they would be able to spend a little bit. And I think all those things would add up to, you know, a relatively different and interesting uh, recruitment process for those extra free agents. Uh, last one for me, at least, Ben. Uh, what does this time look like for you? Like, is your phone on full volume? Are you texting people? Like, how does it work being an insider when your team is in the final? Do you sleep at all? Are you in the studio, like, just in one of these rooms in case they need to get you on at the ladders? Like, what's the situation for Ben Nicholson-Smith? 
Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. It's <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little tiring. It's been really fun. My phone is definitely on all the time. I'm on Twitter way too much. Um, <laughs> I did just turn on I went into my phone settings and turned on like emergency contact rings for like a few people. Oh yeah. Um, so if I get a call like at any hour of the night, the phone will now <laughs> ring. So no, I don't normally do that. It's not really the way I like to <laughs> live my life, but I, I did um did do that today. So we'll see how it all comes down. Hopefully I'm not like, you know, on a run or something when this happens, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, we'll hope for, hope for uh, a nice little like 2 PM, mm. you know, sitting at the computer and it breaks and we can all, we can all uh, follow it together. That would be very nice. Like don't do it, you know, Friday night at 1145 when people are busy or sleeping. You know, I think, think about us, Shohei, <laughs> think about us yeah. that have to go on TV and report and, do the best for Ben. Um, As someone always looking for an excuse to not work out. I mean, like you could park yeah, the runs I think you're good, for ben. the next 96 hours <laughs> if you really, really wanted to. Yeah, it's true. But you got to, you need some sort of like fresh air. The it's hotel fair. in Nashville was like one giant indoor, uh, <laughs> you know, experience. So I think you got to stay fresh mentally as well. Mm. Okay, well, we'll let you go, Ben. We appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. I know it's exciting and kind of once in a lifetime. So enjoy it while you can. <laughs> That's right. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, that's Ben Nicholson-Smith, of course, with Sportsnet and at the Letters Podcast. You know it's going to hit hard Sunday morning when your phone, your iPhone goes, here's your weekly screen report. It's always Sunday for me. I don't know if it's the same for everyone else. It's going to be up over 100% this week. Like we, yeah. should, we should have that in our bet rivers. What percent more is your phone screen time? Because mine is going to be sickening probably, but I'm ready for it. And it never happens like this. I mean, it, it's on purpose, right? But it never happens at a convenient time. Like you've mentioned 2 p.m. at the laptop ready to go. Uh, I think by design, uh, mm. these things happen pretty late. I feel like it's guaranteed that you're going to wake up to the news. And that kind of takes a little bit of the, well, I go to bed early, a little bit of the fun out of it. <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I think there's, they're trying to minimize impact in some ways. And I guess if you do it later at night, that, that would help. I remember when the Kawhi signing happened mm-hmm. or what? Yeah. When he decided not when to stay. Left, yeah. yeah. That was, that was tough. Yeah. That was like 2 a.m. It was 2 a.m. Real late. I was actually in Chicago visiting friends. So we were still out because time oh. difference is different. Okay. Did that help me? Yes. It was and, still pretty late. And they are not Toronto people. And they're like, I don't get it. I'm like, you don't understand. This just is, crying into a beer. They're like, I don't, I'm like, it's important. Like, I'm just very upset about it. Anyway, that's not going to happen this time. We're going to be on the happy side of that text message or that push alert. Um, all right. Speaking of odds and fun, time now for Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Uh, we got a lot going on tonight. Of course, the Leafs are playing in Ottawa. We've got that on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We've got Buffalo and Boston on at Sportsnet. And, of course, the semifinals of the in-season tournament are going on on Sportsnet 1. There's lots to choose from. I am going to go to Patrick Kane because he's making his debut since May 1st, I believe, was the last time he played a hockey game. So, of course, he's going to score tonight because that's how the world works. Uh, plus 175 for a Patrick Kane anytime goal. Looks like he might be on a line with the Brinkat, so that might help. Um, and this is his big moment, right? I think that he's one that... Likes to be showtime in the moment. So he might be putting the puck in the net. That's my bet tonight. Uh, you know where I'm going. I'm going to the IST, the in-season tournament. Pacers up 12 over the Bucks at halftime. So we are trending towards mm. uh, a final that features teams that I was curious about. And like the young upstart with a bunch of guys who don't have much money and might 
be more incentivized to play hard when there's money on the line. We saw the Pacers players going nuts as they were beating the Celtics in the quarterfinal. It meant something to the bench players that don't earn much. And if we're going by that narrative, well, the Pelicans are younger than the LeBron Lakers. Uh, I like the Pelicans on the money line. It is plus 108. A Pelicans Pacers final might not be the one they want to sell but it's the it's one I'm fun. most interested in. I think it'll be absolutely electric if those two teams meet. We know the Pelicans guys have been having fun in Vegas. Just have fun after. Uh, but I like Pelicans <laughs> and Pacers, and the Pacers are doing their part uh, so far in the first of two IST semifinals. What's the score? 63-51 and half. Okay. Uh, that was it be- was, by the way, another betting thing. The highest total in 30 years. Bucks and Pacers today. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You learn something new every day, Justin. These Pacers, they're different. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Uh, a $600 million man just signed a contract. John Rahm with Liv. Is that for real? It is Finally for real. Done? He just went on Fox News to make his announcement. Oh, okay. What a world we live in. Not the $600 million man that we want to sign. Maybe that's coming. It's not the one we want either. No, that's not. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back uh, to tee up tonight's Leafs game. Leafs in Ottawa for the Battle of Ontario. All that's next on the Fan Pre-Game with Ailish and Justin.